you have contempt for your government? I'll tell you, Mr. Schultz, it's nothing compared to the contempt my government has for me. We've heard testimony from 27 witnesses under oath that say you hoped for a confrontation with the police, that your plans for the convention were designed specifically to draw the police into a confrontation. Well, if I'd known it was gonna be the first wish of mine that came true, I would've aimed a lot higher. It's a yes or no question. When you came to Chicago, were you hoping for a confrontation with the police? I'm concerned you have to think about it. Give me a moment, would you, friend? I've never been on trial for my thoughts before. Recording. All right, everybody, welcome into the program. We're Matt and Bob. We're here to pod. We got a hot one for you here, a real hot pod. Hot We're pod. talking about the trial of the Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin, Netflix new film. Um, you're, of course, listening to the... Analysis. Now, Bob, let me just say right off the top, this film, I loved, I loved it. Uh, it's, it's the cast is stuffed to the rafters with talent. And we got one of them. We got, we Sasha, have a get. Sasha Baron Cohen, Abby Hoffman sits down with us. Wait, oh, uh, oh, he canceled. Why? <laughs> oh, he, he never heard of us. Oh, okay. Well, my producer's telling me that um, Sasha Baron Cohen canceled. Bob, could you tell us who we got instead? Oh, uh, we have a get. Um, Eddie Redmayne, everyone. Eddie. Oh, great. Oh, oh. Is yeah. currently on sabbatical. Okay, so he, he gave us the number to his good friend, an actor who played the Kappa Gamma douchebag, one of the jerks from the park, Mr. Vic Kuligowski, who also hey! happens to be my friend. How's hey! it going, guys? So glad to be here. That's great. <laughs> hey, thanks for I uh thanks for coming on. Sorry for the, the bit, but uh no. no, that was great. I enjoyed every bit of it. I'm glad I'm there standing. That's so, why I'm here. So Vic has Frat been... Boy number one, above two yeah. and three. He's credited right below egg throwing crowd member. Um, yeah, although, really. Although I, think, <laughs> I think that might be in order of appearance. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway. Um, so Matt, real quick, Vic's been begging me to come on this podcast for how long now? I don't know. A probably, couple years, maybe. Probably a couple years. And I said, Vic, I appreciate. Star in a movie, I'll bring you. I up. said, I say. Make an appearance in an Oscar contending film, and maybe I'll think about it. And you know what? Damn it! Here, here he is. I'm so excited to. to I mean, I, I know I don't know what your involvement in in the overall filming of it was. It must have been a blast, regardless. But uh, I mean, this is. I'm so excited to talk yeah. about this. It's like the best yeah. thing I've seen all year. What's a bigger thrill? Being on this podcast or speaking Aaron Sorkin's words and being directed by him personally. Wow. Now, now you do not belittle your podcast at all because I am just as honored to be here with oh, you and Matt today. you are sweet as pie. <laughs> Been on a set with Sorkin, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Vic, for, for those who are still trying to catch up for our three-minute bit-riddled bit introduction, Vic is a, an acting friend of mine from Chicago. We were in a play about a year ago, maybe a little, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm called May the Road Rise Up. It was a little Irish play on the north side of Chicago. And since then, me and oh, Vic, cool. yep, we've, yeah. we've remained friends. I was mm -hmm. I was one of his best friends in the play, even though Vic is in his early 20s and I'm 34. They said, don't shave, it'll play. And <laughs> so, but me and Vic have remained friends, as you do sometimes when you make connections during a production. And uh, about eight months ago, he told me, hey, we were catching up over some drinks. And I said, what have you been up to? What have you been working on? And he said, I actually filmed a 
for a few days with Aaron Sorkin on his new Chicago trial movie. And I said, shut your face. And this was your first movie, right? Yeah, this was... I, well, you know, there's been, like, independent features and stuff or independent shorts that, like, you're a part of either in school or even, like, outside. Um, but this was, like, the first film that is, like, at that kind of level where the budget is big and there's, like, names attached to it and you're, like, kind of, like, bumping shoulders with them. With Jeremy s- Strong and Aaron Sorkin. And, and, and Sasha Just Baron a Cohen. couple of names. Yeah. <laughs> Not to name drop or anything, but it's yeah. still really... Yeah. Ring the siren every time Vic name drops. But uh, Like I said, this movie was loaded. I Every single... I mean, the, I thought the casting was one of the best parts, easily. It, um, okay, so I know we're, we're going to get into a lot, but this movie has been on the books for years, and Matt Hayes, to set the table even further, you were in a college production in 2007... In in Central Michigan University, our theater head is from Chicago, and he had this ambitious play called The Chicago Conspiracy Trial, which is on the exact same material. And even then, Steven Spielberg was supposed to be directing a version of this movie, and I know that Philip Seymour Hoffman was supposed to be Kunstler, who was the Mark Rylance character. And, and, and even back then, Sasha Baron Cohen was rumored to be Abby Hoffman. Yeah, I think they kind of like... They, it was like a vehicle uh, for him, and they maybe they filled out the cast based on that. But yeah, it's been in production for 20 years. I read this great Hollywood Reporter article today about it. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, so so th- I, I was definitely looking forward to this. Um, based and the, on the cast fact that, is so loaded. Yeah, yeah. But so the play was a lot of fun. It was me and all my friends. It was it's a massive cast. It's it's like a really it's a courtroom drama, but it like it really cooks and like man, Sorkin's the perfect guy to make like courtroom dramas interesting. Well, he's the um, king of courtroom dramas. Mm-hmm. It for those who might not know, he wrote A Few Good Men. He just did a Broadway version of To Kill a Mockingbird. Social Network is in a courtroom a lot. He's he's the guy. He's the courtroom guy. Yeah, I mean West Wing. Uh, West Wing. Was, yeah, there was courtroom drama uh, scenes in that. Um, yeah, so I, I played uh, uh, Ginsburg in the play, and you know I had to grow up my hair for like five months, um, and it was it was just a lot of fun, and like I was so much so looking forward to the the movie, like when it got announced, I was like, oh great, and then to have like especially this year, like have something decent come out that's like really, I mean, can you think of a more timely film? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to all that as well, but like. It's how relevant, and I think they wanted to get this out before the 2016 election. But man, things have completely gone off the rails since then. Or no, yeah. I'm sorry, not not 2016. It was like, yeah, it was like the, it was, the 2016 it was election motivated the acceleration of the production. Yeah, and so it, it's it's seriously almost like Stefan from SNL in terms of relevance. It has everything: <laughs> police brutality. Suppressed black voices, <laughs> protests of the White House, a vengeful justice system. It's it's seriously like anything that is currently happening. It's it, it's a very timely movie, Hayes, because you're watching this and you're watching the 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 throwback footage, and it just looks so familiar to what's happening right now. You're watching riots in Grant Square, or not riots, excuse me, you're watching protests in Grant, why the Freudian slip there, protests in Grant Square. Are we riding or are we protesting? (laughs) You're watching protests in Grant Square with the the blues coming in forcefully, and it's just like, holy shit, we're, we're still here, you know? Yeah, I mean, God, there's uh, there's this uh, uh, Sorkin quote right here where it's like, I never wanted to, uh, I w- never wanted the film to be about 1968. 
he was like, I, I wanted, I didn't want it to be a excuse for nostalgia or history lesson. I wanted to, it, I wanted it to be about today. But he says, I never imagined that today would get to be so much like 1968. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 the lead into this article, which kind of brings Vic in here, it, it it's like in October in 2019, hundreds of protesters are marching down Chicago's Michigan Ave, chanting phrases "No justice, no peace," blah blah blah. They're you know they're earnest and energized they're clad in 1960s period costumes flanked by vintage police vehicles and the group thought that they were acting out the past um as it turns out they were also performing the future as yeah. well mm. um so i guess uh, vic can you just tell us about your experience i mean pretending to protest a year before all these protests yeah definitely and yeah to kind of go off your point of saying like all these kind of issues that were touched on in the movie never felt forced like at all like all of that just like kind of came into view and was like wow this is still happening today so i just wanted to kind of piggyback off that but yeah like filming on set was was wild in the sense of like you know it was more of a con controlled protest obviously because you know everything is kind of shut down they were shutting down michigan avenue when we were doing it and it felt it felt um you know, it felt real. It felt like we were actually going out there and spreading the word of, you know, the whole world is watching. Yeah, because it was in Grand Park, right? You guys it, do march towards uh, the Hilton. Correct, yeah. So where we were at was around, like, I don't know, like maybe like uh, like uh, like between 9th and 11th and Michigan Avenue. Okay. And they were kind of going southbound on Michigan Avenue on the yeah. east side of the street. Because even watching where they filmed some of it, it's mm -hmm. those those cement stages that they use for Lollapalooza. Exactly, exactly. And I think that band show may have been, like, built. Oh, okay. Like, that band show where the hill is and there's a statue oh, okay. on top was, like, yeah. a set. And, like, oh, the okay. tents and everything were, like, out there and, or whatever. But... It definitely felt real with with the amount of people that were there coming towards you because we were kind of when we were filming we were out on the street kind of going against the crowd which is like that first yeah. shot when we're kind of like screaming um so yeah so if the audience is looking for Vic there's a scene and they, they do this clever move in the movie where Abby Hoffman's almost narrating the the movement to you through a stand-up act and then there's yeah. scenes happening mm. over the top of his stand-up narration and he talks about the kappa gamma douchebags <laughs> and that there's a girl on someone's shoulders with mm -hmm. an american flag in these these uh in the in the spirit of fraternity these douchebags show up to fuck with the riot yeah and and they're they're uh -huh. just there's the police and there's all the drama with the police but there's also these counter protesters that are involved yeah. and Vic is one of these three douchebags and two of them are dressed in kind of regular jeans and t-shirts and Vic is wearing this ultra 60s plaid <laughs> coat okay so you got the in terms of the costuming you got oh, the yeah, costume big, win I got the costume and, I, and can I tell you the costume story win and yeah, how that yeah. happened because it was it was crazy um so whatever so they're fitting us funny enough at the Hilton. So, like, when you book something, you get sent to, like, a fitting location. Right? Yeah. And it could be anywhere. Or it's, it's a place, but it, they turn it into a warehouse. Well, like like Bob was saying, yes. A random place could be a warehouse. And, um, I don't know, they probably tried me in, like, four different looks. And by the fifth one, you know, they're sent, they're literally talking to Sorkin on the phone. And they give me this blazer. And then we're trying on some stuff. She's like, stop what you're doing right now. Aaron loves the blazer. We're going to keep that. Everything loves else goes. And I'm like, okay, because, you know, you don't yeah. have a say in that stuff. So that's why. What if you were like, you know what, Aaron? I'm not. A, 
in terms of what I'm doing right now with my character internally, <laughs> I'm not about the blazer. Let's have some dialogue and at least collaboratively come to a conclusion. Could you imagine if I just like stopped him in his process and was like, and he may have even been on set filming or something yeah. that day frat, too. Frat guy number one would never wear this blazer. <laughs> so, uh, so, but you really you say my ability to call out, get back to the kitchen. To... Yeah, yeah. So, so you say some heinous shit sure. to the girl in with the American flag, mm -hmm. yeah. and and there was a bit that you were talking about where. Aaron Sorkin told you not to be word perfect. Was that improvised? Talk to us about kind of what was happening with the script. Yeah, so crazy enough, so the first day we're shooting, uh, it is our scene. And is the first scene, by first scene, I mean it's the one where we are on the street and we're yelling at them the yeah. very first Take time. The, put the flag down. To put the flag, the flag down. down, you know, Don't whatever. Don't make me a sandwich. Yes. Go make me a go back to the kitchen. kitchen. Which also, by the way, take the flag down or respect the flag. Something that is very relevant, especially with with sports oh, right is. now. I'm talking about relevancies and and things like that. But anyway, the, so so you're Trumps, on the street. The Trump supporters of the '68s, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. That's so a, you were saying you were on the street, and that was the first scene you were doing. And that was the first thing that we're doing. And you know, Sorkin's talking to us, and we're kind of going through the lines, and you know, some. Uh, are written like you know make me a sandwich you know put it down and all this stuff but at one point we're going through the motions and he's kind of running next to us showing us how he wants us to physically move about like the street and then he was just like and after a while he was like well you know what if you just feel something just say it you don't have to usually this is what he said he was like usually i'm very particular with how my words are said but i just want you to kind of say what you feel in this moment and Let's make a movie, and I'm like, yeah, no Let's... shit, Sorkin. Yeah, we're gonna make a, we're gonna make a movie, I guess. Yeah, you're letting us do this, so that yeah, is improvise, how that came about. Improvise, but you have one second in this shot to improvise. I'm gonna cut back and forth, and yeah, I mean, it's very orchestrated, right? So there's really no room for improvise. Improvisation. Did you improvise at all, or did you try to just use his phrases and just feel it out in the moment? I think it was that. It was more so like kind of feeling out his phrasing and like what it was, um, and and kind of going off from there, and then. I guess whatever, I don't even know what was even kept in it, but whatever it was, it was just, that's what, it was half of his and probably half of what we were feeling during that time. But you know, most um, uh, disciplines of, of acting call for a kernel of truth in any character. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm just kind of sure. curious, the, the percentage perhaps that you were drawing from in this, uh, <laughs> this blazered oh. douchebag, um, whose hair, by the way, I mean, uh, you, you could find that in like uh, the Stranger Things. It was like teased out. To, yeah. Oh yeah. It was looking looking great, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, you can you can definitely not give me any credit for that at all. That <laughs> was that was all hair and makeup, obviously. Um, but um, just superior breeding. It was just superior. Yeah, it was just superior yeah. breeding. So, but I will say, and I don't know that this is because you're my friend and because we've performed together, but my eye is absolutely drawn to you in those moments mm. and your lines, because there's so much shouting and there's so much chanting, but like your, your voice is cutting through and like your lines are definitely the ones that are landing in those moments, mm. at least to me. So uh, cute kudos to that and into that work. And you, you looked the angriest of the Kappa Gamma douchebags. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was like, if you are given lines or an opportunity like that, it's like you might as well scream them as loud as you can whilst yeah. remembering you are uh, uh, in a film, right? Because, you know, they tell you not to push <clears throat> or do any yeah, of that stuff. But smaller, it, smaller. It, exactly. So it's like if Shoot you are your given... shot. Exactly. It's like, what? Like, you just say it as loud as, you know. Well, as and then can. for your reel moving forward, 
in that scene, like, there's definitely one person that's going for it. There's definitely one person that's kind of captivating the eye, and I, I think that's going to play for you moving forward, I'd say. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, yeah congrats, dude. That's that's so exciting. Uh, it's funny enough, another guy I knew in Chicago, his name's uh, Michael Dean. Uh, he appears at the very end of the movie as Carl Oglesby. Uh, okay. This, yeah, so so this was like a lot of local casting. Is that kind of the deal? Yeah, definitely. For like some of like the day player stuff, too, there's another guy who I met on set who was local and actually shot in Chicago and New Jersey because, fun fact, all the interior courtroom shots are New Jersey. I wonder why they chose New Jersey for that. I don't know. Oh, no, production costs is what I heard because I guess that they built a set in some, like, a church uh, just because, I mean, the budget was decimated based on all the delays. Um, I think uh, when Paramount decided to bail, they uh, they started a bidding war with all the streamers. So they okay. gave they gave Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, blah blah blah, twenty four hours to watch and then bid on the film, and wow. it ended up it ended up going to Netflix for fifty six mil, um, which is not a massive, um, not for this, yeah, especially not for with the, the cast. writing. Well, okay, because Aaron Sorkin is the biggest name in writing of the last what forty years. I mean. Because you've got Tarantino, but he's more of a filmmaker, right? I mean, people think filmmaker first and, and uh, screenplay second with him. Yeah. I'm guessing. If we're going then, forty years, I guess I would I would toss in Oliver Stone as well. You know, like screenwriters mm, turn directors. Yeah, I'm, but like he's the most famous screenwriter. I'm thinking like Nora Ephron was another person where when her name was attached, when people get excited for the playwright. As, oh yeah, as yeah, the, yeah. As the as the driving force. Um, I would say I people get people got hype for To Kill a Mockingbird because it was written by Aaron Sorkin. Like his name is cashing checks as a writer, and he's coming on as a filmmaker. And, and well, if you guys want to talk about whether we think he's gonna get any accolades or the critical acclaim for his direction here, but I just think he, him as a writer is the is the selling point for this. Uh, I think he will actually. I, I think this movie cleans up at a very weird Oscars uh, with not a whole, who who knows if they hold the ceremony, but like what else is going to compete with something like this? It's like you can see it getting nominated for best actor, best supporting, best director, best editing, uh, best it's picture, Oscar baby, um, just across the board. Uh, and it, I mean, for my money, so far it would sweep, but you know we haven't seen kind of the tail end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I really liked Molly's Game, which I guess is is what allowed Spielberg, who's kind of not the executive producer, but kind of leading the ship. He was like, "All right, well now that we've seen you do Molly's Game, why don't you just direct this? I'm gonna go do something else." And I think uh, he's only done two films, and they're both been great. I I mean I prefer this one, but Molly's Game was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think we'll see him now write and direct all of his stuff and. That's so interesting that now he's going to be directing all his material. I wonder how much it changes. That it's it. That's going to be a really fascinating just just observation for me is to watch how this stuff and 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 do they hit as hard now that he's directing? How do things maybe change? I think it's just going to be really interesting. Yeah. Well, his dialogue is so specific that it doesn't really leave a whole lot for directors to kind of fuck around with. Right? Well, Social Network like, had a lot of stuff going on. It has to be word perfect, otherwise it doesn't work in the pace. So, but Although, now he's... unless Vic Kuligowski is on the books, and then it's say whatever you <laughs> yeah. want to say. Yeah, I trust you. You guide me. But anyway, continue. What I love is that like Sasha Baron Cohen was like, "Hey, look at all these Abby Hoffman lines I've been researching. Can we t- toss those in there?" Um, uh, just stick to the script. But Vic. 
Just do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vic, have a blast. I trust you. Um, anyway. Yeah, so what, I mean, what do you guys think of the movie? I mean, I know we've been kind of dancing yeah, around Vic, so this. You watch it for the first time today with your parents. So Vic is watching it. it with the rest of the world here. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Vic? The whole world Let's is watching. Turn it over. Whole yeah. world is watching, including Vic. What did you think, bud? I mean, I ju- I just thought it was spectacular. You, I mean, uh, Matt, you were bringing up the pacing and like literally dropped into the pacing after the montage of like Joseph Gordon-Levitt going into I don't know someone who was newly appointed after what Lyndon B. Johnson leaves office and Nixon yeah. comes in and there's like an innuendo of them being like you know they don't give you any time to tell you you're on the way out it just happens and it's unprofessional yeah. and you get a very clear stance of where Joseph Gordon-Levitt stands in this though he is kind of um Though he is on, what is it? That would be the prosecution side. Yeah. Though he yeah, doesn't sure. agree with what he is prosecuting, which is a really interesting point, mm-hmm. and I loved that. So the pacing there was awesome, and it sets it it sets it right up. Um, yeah. But, if it, well, just real quick, if Chandler mm-hmm. had been playing Schultz, he'd been like Rock Hard Place, me, me like yeah. a, like that, <laughs> that, that that moment. He was just like, what do I do? Um, and, and what a title sequence. Um, like, what a great way to, like, bring everyone up to speed in five minutes. I was like... Totally. Like, yeah. yeah. Right right from the word go, you know this film This film is really cooking. And I, that's well, why I Well, because it. they're using yeah. the actual footage. Are you saying, like, first it opens with Martin Luther King, and then mm. the Kennedy assassination, and then the... the yeah, and boom, boom, it, boom. It sets the, the table in terms yeah. of where America's at right now. Cool. And, and if it was happening right now, obviously you would be watching Trump speeches and you'd be watching the George Floyd video and then you'd be watching the mm-hmm. protests. So it, it kind of sets the table for where America is. And then it, it guides right into that scene of rock hard place. What? Um, I, I also think that might be some, some liberties that Sorkin's taking because Schultz in, in reality was actually a pretty terrible dude, but to, to make him a sympathetic character was kind of an uh, an mm. interesting choice. Yeah. But. Me and Cameron were my, you know, um, uh, my buddy Cameron, we were watching it last night. He played a Foran in the play. And uh, in, in researching the play, he reached out to Schultz because Foran had passed away. And he was, he, he got to talk to him and asked him like, what was it like? I mean, um, you know, what, uh, what do you remember about the, the scene? And, and, and the actual guy was like, do every every single time we go up in the elevator right before we we got into the courtroom we, I'd look at Ferran and we'd say um all right time to go pull some teeth uh, and it was like a yeah. total everyone involved was like this is a clown show and that's you, you can tell like the you know Frank Langella is like Julius Hoffman he made it about himself and he, it was like a complete mess um so regardless of like the prosecution's wills or whims or Maybe what they really thought about, or if they were just doing a job, it was it was still a you know a disgrace because of how it was ran. And I think that's one thing that we were able to accomplish at Central Michigan in the play was this the the, the judges' incompetence. And the play has a lot of that going on, where it's the judge interrupting and reminding you that his name is Hoffman and Abby Hoffman's name is Abby Hoffman, and he didn't want. But just the 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 whole objection overruled that that mm-hmm. kind of rhythm that everyone got into and and in badgering and in Kunstler versus Julius Hoffman and all of that just energy and, and negativity that that ended up just spewing all over the courtroom that was that was something that was definitely apparent in in the play as well in 
our production, Tom Hayden actually came and gave a talk back during one of the nights. It was a really cool experience. That's why it's this is so personal to, to me and Matt because it's something that we had direct experience with. With, with some of these guys. Which is even greater because, like, I, I don't know many of the actual individual stories of the Chicago 7 or technically, like, 8 at the beginning. But, like, Tom Hayden, and we can talk about it more maybe, is, like, his perception in the film, which I really love the fact that, like, they were bringing up that he stood for the judge when he left. That was a huge that moment. That was a big moment. And then when he talked to Michael Keaton's character, who was the ex uh, attorney general for Lindon. Yes, yeah. which he was the big star. So it's like so what is Tom Hayden's point of view of this? Cuz it's like he says that he's like trying to be progressive, but I feel like there's still these like very like conservative like yeah, undertones that he's like, well, you know, it was just like kind of like it was just a reaction. It was just a thing and I just stood up and like all this stuff. I don't know. So I think that the film is is showing this splintering of the Democratic Party okay. and Hayden there's there's a couple different camps in terms of how to go about this and Hayden and he has that I think one of the most electric scenes in the movie is between him and Abby Hoffman but Hayden's saying the way to do this isn't through making a mockery of things making making basically a hippie joke of all of this it's through winning elections and he still has this respect for authority and respect for the American government that, according to Sorkin at least, Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily respect him. So while everyone else is seated, he's still standing. You see Julius Hoffman at the end of the movie giving him praise for his behavior. And that's really part of his journey is Mm -hmm. to, to finally go against that, to finally stand up against that and to 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 be less mm. wilting of the authority. Yeah. And I think that they, they, they definitely run that out in those moments, right? They do. It almost seems like it's like a tactic of some sort. Like, it literally all leads up to that moment to when he says the names at the end. It's like, let me be the only one that is, like, well-behaved, and I'm using air quotes yeah. for that, because it's like then when he gets the moment to speak, it is even there even is more validity to that well and i but i i don't think it was a a tactic for him to play that at that moment i think it's a character journey where he comes to the discovery that that's what he needs to do and he's sitting there and he's talking to michael keaton and he's saying you need to be brave you need to this is time for you to stand up and really like at the find the courage that's the word yes but then he he himself doesn't have the courage to do it yet no he doesn't and so when he watches keaton do it and he watches he watches abby he watches all these guys have the courage to put themselves on the line he finally has the courage to do so and that's really one of the questions the movie's asking is like how far will you go Mm. where is like how far will you go for a stand or, or to make a stand on something that you choose and that that's where a lot of people and, and it's so relevant today. It's 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 how far are you going to go for, for the things that you believe in and for the change that you want in the world? And Abby Hoffman says his life. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, I'll put my life on price. That's his price. And that's and that's why I think Sorkin is very he's very warm to Abby Hoffman and, and at times in this movie cold to Tom Hayden. Right, Hayes? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that's I think that's true. But then it's the hero's journey, right? I mean, like Abby Hoffman always kind of knew what he wanted and and how to go about it. And Tom Hayden was kind of um, uh, quar- or conflicted. Yeah, conflicted. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, kind of bringing the parties together—the yippies and the the democratic, uh, you know, uh, youths 
um yeah so it's it's a cool final moment uh where he kind of gets to do this mic drop and it's almost like a a certain sea snake where he bides his time you know what i mean um and then mm-hmm. just to, because he because he's been such the 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 poster child and he's behaved he gets to uh deliver a statement into record and then so that all those names go into record and he, the, the judge can't do anything about it um which is really cool uh, the only thing I, did, I just a nitpick real quick because it happens right before did you guys have a problem with that like slow fade out mid testimony during the abby hoffman like uh that, there were some yeah. weird moments there was some the slow fade out during the abby hoffman bit was yeah, the blackout fade. so yeah. weird um i also think the scene where they get resolution abby hoffman and tom hayden where he's like our and he's like our. oh the pronouns mm, yes. and it's this like weird scene where oh it's this semantics misunderstanding now we're all i've read all your all your shit like that wouldn't come up within eight months of a trial or however long it's just i it it was a it was a weird scene that for that to be the way that they found resolution felt cheapened to me those were my nitpicky things as well what what so what did you think the revolution or the the realization was there that that tom hayden meant to say our blood yeah, they're actually on the same page for the most part, and yeah. and you know Tom Hayden actually was at the, in that moment doing something that Abby Hoffman would have aligned with, right? Yeah, and he finally he's like, oh, I get it, and now we're on the same team. But at the same time, it just was a weird, just structurally and and where it came in the movie, I just thought that was odd to me. I so. did love that scene though, the cross examination prep. Mm. I thought that was really electric, man. Mm-hmm. I thought that, that was. was so fun. Yeah, Did, you didn't think so? I mean, I thought, I thought it was okay. I just didn't like that. That was the way that Hoffman and Hayden came to a resolution was over the word "our" and this this misunderstanding of semantics. I just, I thought, I thought there were. I don't know. It's Aaron Sorkin, and obviously he knows more than me, but. It just didn't play for me, I guess. Is, is well, that's, what that's crazy. I thought that was like one of the best scenes in the movie because, like, you you bring Tom, you, you get Tom Hayden out of his shell. You get him to like emote and and show like like to, to admit that like okay, maybe he's not so put together as he thinks he is. And then that shows Abby Hoffman that they're like, yeah, they are on the same page, and yeah, this guy can get heated. And uh, I think it was like a, it was like this great coming together moment. Well, it's the climactic courtroom scene, but it's not done in the courtroom. I'm kind of between the both of you, if that makes sense. And it's like, I thought the resolution was very quick. But then also, Matt, the story was so deep. And like, because I think there was a moment before, like, after, like, there was the rush of the hill where, like, Abby was talking to him and saying, like, and, like, Tom Hayden was like, there's no way we can even get close to the convention Mm -hmm, and all this stuff. So there was that conflict there. But I just thought it was resoluted very quickly after that long story. But I also think that story was necessary, though, to to see Mark Rylance, like... Um, kind of faux cross-examine him and mm-hmm. say, oh, you really want to step up here and you really want to talk? Well, you're going to have to prove to me that that you think the prosecution is going to believe you. Yeah, I think it's a great, it's a good scene and the scene plays. I just don't like that there's this huge confrontation. It's really one of the cruxes of the movie, which is w- what's the best way to get, get and see success here? Is mm-hmm. it through these Molotov cocktails and creating uh, controversy and, and, and pulling the, the, the press in, 
or is it in a polite and tactical way to where we can potentially win elections? And 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 for like these two ideals to be clashing with each other in those back green rooms during the trial, for that to be resolved with a, oh, you meant to say it this way. Now we're cool. It just didn't flow to me. Does that mm. make sense, Hayes? Mm. Yeah, I, I get the 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 denouement or you know the final moment of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, we're just it didn't read to me as much as it read to you. That's fine. Mm. That's yeah. we're just seeing it on different sides. Let me ask you guys: uh, Were there any? This is a very ensemble movie, and and we've talked about the strength of this cast. Was there any particular performance that stood out to you? Yeah, actually, because there there are the obvious ones, but like if I had to pick a favorite, um, Jeremy Strong as Jerry Rubin, <laughs> J- especially because so it's so good. different than Succession. I know because like it's so different from Succession. It's it's essentially the exact opposite. But then be you know, Gentleman is a movie I've seen six times this year, um, and and he's my least favorite part. Um, you know, it's it's he's yeah. just having fun yeah. in that movie. It's no big deal. But then he really digs his teeth into this character. It's so cool. Um, to see a guy really like, really hone in and embody a character after see him kind of like playing just a a, a, a rich guy. Um, yeah, yeah. With not a whole lot of lifting to do, I I think in this upcoming season season of Succession we'll see much more levels there. But um, yeah, so he was kind of my 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 favorite in terms of. But uh, obviously, you know, I mean, you guys go ahead, but, you know, Kunstler, you, you, you know, Mark yeah. Rylance. This is a Rylance-Sasha Baron Cohen film, um, and maybe Eddie Redmayne gets lost in between the two of them a little bit. But what, what do you guys think? Uh, Eddie Redmayne with his um, <laughs> rusky voice that he's really working on there uh, maybe just t- took me out of the moment a little bit. But I was, I was really into Abby Hoffman. I think this is... Outside of the stuff that Sasha Baron Cohen writes for himself, and and we all know those great movies, I think I, I was really into Abby Hoffman in this. Abby Hoffman is in in this whole thing is just somebody that has always been a a lightning rod. Sixties, you even see him in Forrest Gump when Forrest Gump goes to the steps of the Washington Monument, and it's the fucking not. it's someone's playing Abby Hoffman. So I I really thought yeah. uh, he was he was pitch perfect. Rylance as the hippie lawyer, kind of fumbly bumbly moral conscience. Uh, I think mm. he was really good, and he had him and the judge were really great. I think that. Frank Langella was was great as the judge. That's a that's a that's a role that does not get a lot of love. But if he's not venomous and if you don't hate that judge, that yeah. then this movie is not as is is impactful. So I think those were a couple that came out off the top of my head. What about you, Vic? Yeah, definitely. I th- I thought Rylands killed it as the defense attorney. Just the way he was going about using um using his clients and using his knowledge to go ahead and extend kind of the trial that was going on was just really great to see. Uh, yeah, Jeremy Strong, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, just, and Bob and I were talking about this before, it's just the fact that it's like kind of like against what society thinks Sasha Baron Cohen can do, which is kind of like really, most of the time it's just like a social experiment it feels like, right? Mm-hmm. And for him to have some really right. beautiful, like nuanced moments, especially there was this, it just happened very quickly, but it caught my eye when he's like doing the stand-up. Um, and he's just like, please just give me a second. And there was just a moment that he took for himself. And I was just like, I was like, damn, Sasha. I was like, that, that, I don't know. It just really hit me in a way. That's some Marlon Brando shit. 
D- was it not though? Do you know what I'm talking about, Matt? Like there was a moment where he was like, "Please just give me a moment." Or yeah, something. no, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I'm like, wow, just the way it was delivered and just the way it was it was very nuanced. And then, um, and then the gentleman who played, I mean, Bobby Seal. Um, oh yeah, uh, was I, I just incredible? I mean, Yaha uh, I think Abdul Mateen, so good. I mean, it, incredible, incredible stuff. And the, uh, it was just and. There's something that is hitting you emotionally about seeing a black man bound and gagged inside an American courtroom and knowing all that we know right now that's happening with black people in the judicial system. And it didn't just happen for one day in that court. It happened for multiple days. And that's one thing we learned watching that play. And, and that happened in, in the conspiracy trial play as well. Is, yeah. is he was actually bound like that. And they would, in the in the beginning of court sessions on mm. multiple days, have him just come in and they would well, bound him and, and gag him like that. Well, which is just, one, obviously inhumane. But the way that Judge Hoffman, which Frank Langella did do a good job at just being the worst, most in- I thought incompetent judge around was the fact that he said something to the effect, and Bob and I were talking about this earlier, that he's like, do you know how long that I have lived? And it was something to the effect, and it was something to me that just hit me. And I was no just, one's ever accused me of being racist to a black man in my courtroom. And, and he said, and Rylands, mm-hmm. he was like, you're the first person that's ever accused me. And then Wine Glass is like, well, I'd like to be on the record as being the second person. Yeah, and I thought that I was like actually that really scene. smart by, and I thought that was really smart by Sorkin to show that. I don't know if that you guys showcase that in your play, but that that is even more timely today yeah. that that moment was inter, and you know, uh, exchange between those. And plus the line, "I have lived a long time," as if as if that's a good a calling card for. Like, yeah, you've too long. Get out of here. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make you more credible. Yeah, yeah exactly. It sometimes like, wait, makes you less credible. What? Yeah, yeah the yeah, fact that you're old makes you less credible now. Our, our friend uh, Greg Ott, I don't think he's ever listened to this podcast, but uh, we'll call him friend of the pod. So he played Kunstler in the play, uh, but he looked exactly like Ben Shankman, uh, who played Wineglass. I, I think <laughs> that made me laugh so much. As soon as they roll into the courtroom and they're walking down the aisle, I was like, wow, Sorkin must have loved Greg's performance because he's found yeah. these... <laughs> He was in the audience next to Tom Hayden when, when we did the performance. Sure. But... Tom Hayden, of yeah. course, played by friend of the pod, the grand exalted ruler, Andrew Papa. Yeah, you got Just got to get that guy so... out there. Yeah. <laughs> um... But it's uh, overall. I know we've we've spent way more time on our college production than we have on you actually in in this movie. No. <laughs> but uh, I yeah, I think the cast is is incredible. If they don't win every SAG or whatever the ensemble, whatever the awards that give away ensemble stuff, I yeah. mean, it just seems like fish in a barrel for them at this point. Um, real quick about uh, the guy the actor playing Bobby Seale. I mean, you guys have watched Watchmen, right? He plays Doctor Manhattan uh, to great acclaim in that. So I, I didn't even recognize him because obviously, you know, he's he's in glowing blue light in that uh, that show. But uh, the, yeah, I just thought he was incredible. Everyone is so pitch perfect and just delivers incredibly strong performances. Um, I was uh, blown away. I, it completely met my expectations, and it's so cool to have something to look. To be excited about, um, yeah, um, and yeah, it was only in selected theaters, uh, you know, and it came out a few weeks ago. I I think what I've read is that um, they're gonna try to get this into theaters 
even though Netflix doesn't have much interest in doing so, you know, Roma and, and Irishman, they were only given a theater run so they could qualify for the awards. But I, it sounds like they're going to try to get this into theaters uh, before the election and just try to get as many eyeballs into it as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think just having it on Netflix is the best way to get eyeballs to it. Yeah, I, yeah. I think... And I think there's going to be, when you think about courtroom dramas, when you think about domestic dramas, really Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon is where a lot of this stuff is going to live probably moving forward. And, and then the Bonds and the Avengers and the Mission Impossibles are, that's yeah. all The franchises, yeah. yeah, they'll all they'll all exist in in, in the film, in, in, in theaters. And so I think that's very much where we're skating to. So you'll see a lot more Rylances and and Eddie Redmayne's in Netflix there. But uh, I, I just, um, I really enjoyed it. A couple of nitpicky things in terms of character resolutions. But overall, uh, who am I to to critique the great one? I I think it's, he's he's a A plus and top class writer. And, you know, I'm just happy for you, Vic, to be able to get an opportunity to work with him and speak his words. You've spoken his words. Yeah, that was incredible. And I don't think it's, it's really hit me until like this past weekend when people have been like reaching out and like saying those things. Like at the time it was just kind of like, okay, this is happening. And we were just, you know, I have an acting teacher who was just like, you know, you're, I was actually thinking about this, Bob. It was just, you were saying that like, um, your work as an actor, like Cranston was saying, is to go in and give, like, you know, the truthful circumstances of that given si- uh-huh. situation. And then, like, I had then another acting teacher say that your vacation is being on set. And it truly felt that way. Like, it, it truly felt like it was, like, a treat to be on set and to have someone, like, at that caliber, like, telling you what to do and, like, felt like in some way collaborating with them at, at some level, even if it wasn't, like, you know, like a like a driving force. It was just, yeah, yeah it was it was wild. You've got that really great picture of you guys all circled around and taking his direction, and and you know, and then that's the great thing about film is that it's there forever. You will be there, and in that moment, will be there forever. Is you're gonna get older, but that's gonna stay right there for you to always be able to reference. Absolutely, so it's really and, and thrilling. say, as opposed to uh, no one being able to see the uh, production of the CMU <laughs> theater. <company>. Stop! <laughs> no, I would love to see that though. I want. I'm. I'm very curious. I want. Is there any like? Is there any video of that production? Uh, no. There's some we very were, pixelated we from... photos uh, bouncing yeah. around Facebook, but uh, that's the sure. send you. Oh, of of. Of twenty-year-olds playing seventy-year-old men. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, uh, now. Uh, I <laughs> That's do. What I want to see. I do have one nitpick. Uh, actually, I I think uh, Ginsburg was criminally underused in this film. Uh, yeah. His, mm, his yeah. needed more Ginsburg. His, his testimony in the transcripts and in the play, I think, are electric. Uh, yeah. In the right hands, uh, it could have been a great scene. <laughs> I was not real quick, real quick. Uh, I was not able to be in that production because I was uh, already cast in Charlotte's Web as Templeton. A so. much, much worse <laughs> production. <laughs> I would have paid to see both. I just want to let you both know. Bob, I'm sure if you weren't doing Charlotte's Web, you could have been the uh, smoke guy in uh, Chicago Seven. <laughs> <laughs> A little inside uh, baseball, anyway. but it makes me laugh. Um, well, cool. Hey, man, thank so much for coming on, Vic. I mean, this is so cool to talk to a guy. Uh, I Before we sign off, I, I guess I did want to ask you, did you get a sense of Sorkin as a director? Like, it, he seems like he might be a, 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 a douchebag or a blowhard. Uh, 
like a very very specific guy like a director that yells a lot i mean what was what was he like no no i thought he was like very like he knew exactly what he wanted yeah. uh and was and was very open and was like very um very inept to like what we were like saying is like actors like i think at one point um uh the girl in the beret who was actually my friend gabby we went to college together oh. so the girl that we is which is crazy and we actually filmed across from columbia which makes it even more full circle was like she's like well what if i had a name and he was like yeah absolutely and like we, they talked about that moment and no i i thought he was like super kind but like the moments you had with sorkin it was like you had like a major discussion with him and then that was it no yeah, it was i didn't time to go and yeah. then it was time to go because yeah. then like at that point you had like your pas and first aid decommunicating with you from that point but no i thought he was like super kind and open he shook all of our hands introduced himself as aaron and like you were you know full reign to talk to him just like a normal person so, like that was really nice yeah to know that it was like that you He's know a what collaborator I mean? and you're part of his ensemble and i think i i want to give credit to you and your friend gabby who came you guys didn't wilt to the opportunity what you weren't it, the moment wasn't too big for you even mm -hmm. though it was a very big moment and you came and you did your process still she yeah. still asks her questions about her character and you, t you when everyone's coming correct and and you know he wants people to i'm sure i'm, I'm speaking for him now mm -hmm. but he wants his actors to come to him with with ideas and, and with confidence and that's just what it was too like just to go into a little bit further detail i just remember like um like the very first time or like the first couple takes of the very first scene we are doing that we're coming across the crowd is like um uh, coming across the pa videos well actually no then sorkin comes back out he goes i loved it let's just keep doing that let's just keep doing that and he walked away and they were like did sorkin just compliment you on the way that you did something so like Right. It was just yeah. like if right. any director you ever worked with before, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just, like you said, the preparation was there. And um, like I said, it just felt like a vacation. You were on very little sleep because it was like you were just excited to be on set. And yeah, it was just it was yeah. just incredible that like none of that stuff got in the way. That's really cool. Yeah. And that should be on your resume is Aaron Sorkin said I did a good job. So any production of Chicago stuff that happens yeah, yeah. comes along. It's like, if, if I'm not good enough, if I'm good enough for Aaron Sorkin, I should be good enough for your uh, production. Aaron Sorkin here. loves no. how I tear off the blouse of a woman. Yeah, he was he was really into that stuff though too. But yeah, it was it was it was a really cool experience and really cool to also talk to some of the principal actors as well when we got the chance, which was really That's, that's great, great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, those yeah. guys must have been a lot of fun. Um, all right, cool. Well, this is great, guys. And uh, yeah, Vic, thanks for coming on again, man. So cool. Yeah. First of many, man. Um, Thanks, congratulations. Guys, yeah. yeah, not much more to say, but get out there and see the movie if you haven't. I, I, most people that listen to this probably have seen it, I guess, right? Most, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. but, absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's so great, man. It's one of the best movies of the year. So, it's, uh, Party. All right, everybody. Well, thank you, Vic, for coming on. Thank you, analysis listeners, for listening. Don't forget to wash your hands. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. But when you talk about destruction Don't you know that you can count me out?